0: Welcome to the Jeff Knows Inc. Show with your host, Jeff Lopes, where we bring you the world's top athletes,
1: celebrities, entrepreneurs, influencers, and their journeys to success.
0: Welcome to episode 185 of the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today, Dr. Kian Vu. We talk biohacking, diets, stress relief, everything to do about health, family, friends, fitness. Sit back, everyone, and enjoy. We are live. We are live on the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited. The first, actually, maybe the second time, we have a guest with their little one on their lap. I love it. Uh, as a dad, this is uh, it kind of makes this interview a little bit more special. Dr. Ken
1: Vu, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, and thank you for having Kaya as well. I've got Kaya, I've got a nine-year-old, uh, Kira. Kira, you want to stop by and say hello? Come on. Come by. Don't be shy. On. There you go. She's my bonus daughter, actually. Um, I so love it. They are the joys of my life. We're here traveling in Vegas, but... Since you record only Tuesdays and Thursdays, Jeff, we ha- we had to make the, the appearance. Come on, Kira! All of Canada is going to see you.
0: All of Canada, no pressure.
1: All of Canada. She's <laughs> stepping in. She's stepping in. Just say hi. Just give a quick wave. There's Kira. Hi.
0: There you go, Jeff. Thanks for having us. <laughs> I, 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 it's going to be a fun conversation. Let's let's. I mean, you have such an interesting story. I mean, you have that American dream story coming to America uh obviously with refugee parents and 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 getting the education and getting the higher life but then you, you struggled with it just so there's a lot of people that from different levels will really comply and really really take to heart your story and really almost see themselves in your story. So let's just glimpse of that and then we're gonna talk about whatever. Let's just have a conversation today. But give me an understanding of your story when the, when the journey started and how it all processed. Well, the, the, the journey is still
1: going and I'm still enjoying it. it it's, still always still, gonna go, always it's always going to go, always going to go. But certainly I was born uh, shortly after the Vietnam War in 1978. And right around that time, uh, you would re- recall that America pulled out of Vietnam in 1975. Yeah. There was a new uh, communist regime that took over um, uh, the, the government in, in, in South Vietnam, which is where I was born. And they basically seized all the businesses. They took over you know, all the new currency. And so if you had anything, it belonged to this new government. And my parents knew at the time there wouldn't really be a future for me there. And so they tried to escape. In fact, the first time they tried to escape, um, it was actually by night in a small little boat and they were caught. Um, and my dad got thrown into re-education camp. Uh, and when my father was in jail, my four, my mother, who was pregnant with me, was forced to entertain the troops because she, she was a pharmacist, but she also sang. She was forced to entertain the troops by singing to them. Um, and uh, when when I was finally born, my, my dad was still in re- re-education camp or, or, or jail, uh, but there was this program that allowed them to just, you know, uh, remove all the Chinese immigrants that were in Vietnam. And, you know, we, we were Chinese by blood. My grandparents actually immigrated from China to Vietnam. Um, and we boarded this refugee ship with over 2000 refugees and we sailed off and we ended up in the Philippines. And we were actually on that boat for eight months because there was no room in the refugee camp. So I was, you know, uh, I should show you pictures. I'll send you pictures of actually us being on the boat, um, being packed like sardines. Uh, people fell off the boat and they died there. People had dysentery. They died of that. And I nearly died of dysentery on that boat. In fact, I was the only infant that actually survived um, uh, on that boat. We spent another three months in a Philippine refugee camp and, um. You know, we were fortunately sponsored to America by a Catholic church. And so as an early Christmas present in 1979, uh, I was in America growing up in Los Angeles. And one would think, you know, a kid who made it through all of that would grow up feeling so grateful uh, to be in America. And um, I can't say that was it. You know, I I grew up and I was watching a lot of TV and and I just kept thinking that I was very different from the kids that I saw on television, there were people that spoke perfect English. There were people with dads that threw footballs, you know, uh, you know, with them. There were people that, that lived in these white picket fences houses. And I didn't have any of that. And I recall being, you know, bused to a more affluent area for school and, uh, the, and I was constantly being teased. Or the stinky food my mom sent me to school with, for the hand-me-down clothes that, that I was always wearing. You know, you know, people would ask, "Oh, where'd you get your shoes?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I I, I got it at the Pick and Save, which is one of one of these like ninety-nine cents store yeah. things." I remember being teased about that, and I just remember growing up. I didn't, you know, I didn't like who I was, you know. And really, that was the seed, I I, I believe of of so many people's you know future illness, but you know, mine for sure. You know, there was a lot of stories of I'm not enough or I'm not worthy. And I took that into my future. You know, as, as a kid, I wanted to be somebody um, like a Mick Jagger or a Tony Robbins. Like, I wanted to be in the media. Uh, unfortunately, there was no Asian people in the media I could look up to. Uh, and my mom said, you know what? We didn't sacrifice our lives to come to America for you to, to be an entertainer. So I'm going to give you three choices. You could be a doctor, an MD, or a physician. And uh, so I went to medical school, Um, but I always carried this. I need something outside of myself. I need to prove to myself and other people that I'm worthy. And it was a life of chasing success. You know, I went to medical school. I got into a very competitive residency. I trained at the NIH. I trained at UCLA. Um, I got a Howard Hughes Medical Institute um, award. I'm not saying that to impress people. I'm saying that because it's I can't pretty, chasing- pretty impressive, though. <laughs> I'm chasing all these accolades, and I find myself being a poster child for a Dalai Lama quote. What he is was it? I was asked by a reporter what he found most interesting about humanity, and he said man, because he would sacrifice his health in order to make money and then sacrifice his money to recuperate his health.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful quote because it, that's something I always say. I mean, I mean, your, 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 your wealth is your health, right? I mean, if, if yeah. if you don't have your health, you don't have nothing. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's not the story that resonated within me, but now, yeah. you know, so many of my clients come to me, they face the same thing.
0: Oh, you know? it's, it's an People- un- ongoing
1: yeah, we, we, we potentially have these wounds that we grow up with. And there's a narrative that we listen to the matrix, or we listen to these messages that come in from the outside. Oh, that career is not right for you. You shouldn't follow that that part of your dream or that thing that light, lights you up. You are not worthy. You are not enough. And there's all these messages that we pick up that some people might actually believe, start believing in those things. And the thing is, if you, if you're not good with yourself and you start chasing that energy of chasing something that you're not actually causes your body to go into distress mode. You yeah. have increased cortisol that goes in and this is a, a biological and physiological thing that happens. Yeah. Inflammation goes up, your immune system goes down yeah. and guess what? You're living a stress life and then you have a stressed out lifestyle. So me as a medical doctor trained at some of the most reputable institutions all around the world. Five years into my training, or not five years into me being an attending, yeah. um, I've achieved quote unquote success. However, I was overweight, I was diabetic, I would I had high blood pressure and I was on prescription medications. So I end up, you know, having early stage disease of the people that ended up in my operating room. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, and so that was the true wake-up call from what I've, you know, started to shift my life uh and being was it was there, like, was, there a, was
0: there a moment was there a moment or um something inspired like what what clicked there's always a moment whether you smart or stop smoke there's always a moment where it's just like boom this happened where it's like yeah. that light what what was that moment for you
1: yeah i think it was a series of moments that i thought you know what what the hell is you know happening to me in my life there was a year where You know, I had discovered I was overweight and diabetic. I would look at myself in the mirror every single day and say, you are a freaking phony. You are not the epitome of health." I had that going for me. I had a a close uncle who passed away very, very early. I mean, he was only 50 years old of lung cancer. I had a woman in my life that I thought I was going to marry at the time, leave me for another man because I was so gung-ho on building this practice. And so all these things I thought were happening to me not knowing that all those things were actually happening for me. And I would recall walking um, on rounds in the hospital one day. And I pick up the chart to go see this patient of mine. I remember his name, his name was Ishmael, 43 uh, year old pancreatic cancer, uh, probably only has a couple months to live. And I remember, okay. I'm supposed to drain 10 liters of fluid from his belly. You know, when you have cancer, sometimes what happens is cancer cells plug up, you know, uh, your lymphatic systems and you've got this huge belly uh, of fluid. And so tap 10 liters of fluid from this guy. I I was thinking this guy is going to be really sick and I'm going to walk into this room uh, from from some guy who's really destitute. I better put myself together. I know I'm a wreck right now, but I better put myself together. Anyway, I walk in the door, open the door to Ishmael's room. There he is. Hey, Doc. How are you, man? I am so glad you're here. Uh, I can't wait for for you to take out this flu because I'm gonna feel so much better. Doc, I'm ready for this. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Jesus. Perspective. This guy's about to die, and he has just got the most beautiful energy. And so I couldn't stop. You know, I couldn't help myself but asking Ishmael, how How are you so positive right now at this time? And he said, Doc, it's easy. And he said something like, it didn't always used to be this way. I used to always be stressed out, you know, in my life as well. But I realized one thing, you know, no matter what is happening in the outside world, I could always choose how I show up. All right. And now I make the choice to show up with love, with positivity. And man, he, his energy was infectious, you know, with all the nurses, everybody in that hospital, but he really gave me that wake up call, you know, that my reality at that time." was probably a reflection of how I was living my life, you know, of um, of, of saying no to my own dreams, of, of building this thing and chasing this thing that's not mine. So, you know, when when I met him and I and he really just reminded me that we have the power of choice. That in any moment of time we can choose how we show up. No matter what the circumstances are, we can show up. Yeah. Yeah. Really it was that big pause then now I'm like, all right, how, how, how do I want to show up in my life?
0: It's, it's when, all, sorry, it's yeah. all the perspective, right? I mean, you, you yeah. could go through it all day, but it's, it's perspective of how you view everything and how you've used it. I'm, I'm just listening to your conversation and how you have reframed certain words. Mm-hmm. It's how you reframe. How do you talk to yourself? How do you show up? How do you, how, how present are you at the moment and right. how you focus on? And I talked about this all the time too, is how you focus on what you can control. Yeah. Does the universe control what you can't control. And just focus on what you can control, because a lot of times we're we're constantly battling to control and fix things that we have no control over, and and us not having the control over that just adds the stress, adds anxiety, adds that that pressure to us because we feel like I find it I I might be totally wrong, but I find it more in males because we we have that 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 protector that um, that um, that provider mindset, and if it's not going right, we have to somehow fix it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that,
1: is, that, that builds toxic masculinity. Oh, and 100%. I, feel, I feel like so many men, um, including myself, you know, get into this role of I need to, quote unquote, succeed. And yeah. a lot of it means, you know, I need to make money. I need to make lots of money to be worthy, to be successful yeah. so that I can provide. And um, that could leave somebody feeling, you know, like they are not worthy within them, themselves already. And there's a, there's a very beautiful story of, you know, you know, we we all just saw my 17 month year old daughter, Kaya. And when we were, you know, when she was born, we actually had a little, you know, blip in the hospital. Um, We were scheduled for induction. And when my fiance was getting induced, they've noticed that the baby's heart, you know, just stopped beating. They rush over the ultrasound they put the ultrasound on her. And I'm looking at it. I'm a radiologist as well. So I could see the images and I could see her heart to slow down. When a baby's heart should be doing this, yeah, and um, you know, they rush her to C-section. She comes out, and her, you know, her her oxygen saturation keeps dropping, and she's turning blue. And I'm holding onto her hand. I'm like, oh my god, what's happening here? And she finally makes it to the ICU, um, and she's there for you know several hours. I'm, I go and I visit her for the next day, and she's got a tube down her throat, a tube down her mouth. You know her her toes of being pricked a lot because they were getting a lot of labs on her, and I was so afraid that you know with the loss of oxygen that she had, she might have some kind of health issue. And I remember just thinking about that, perseverating about that, and then and then when I finally held her in my arms, I just looked at her and I'm like, oh my god, it doesn't matter, even if she had a health complication, she was so perfect in my eyes. She is so worthy. Uh, to me. And yes, she is loved. And no matter what happens, whether she, she turns out to have, you know, some, some mental thing or some other health complication, she is worthy. And I love her so much. And that was a huge moment of healing because not only was I reminded that life is so precious, but it healed those parts of me that thought I was not worthy because I was not X, Y, or Z. You know, when I saw her there, I said, Oh my God, we are perfect. And every human being is perfect just like that. You know, we all go through our own struggles, but our struggles are really the sandpaper for our awakening. Um, But anyway, I, I digress. I don't know. I, I, you're, I, you're, I,
0: I mean, you're obviously hitting home. My Mine's was a little more. We'll talk about it one day. Mine was a little more complicated. My son was. Um, have you heard of the um, diagnosis uh, high drops before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my, my son was born with high drops. My wife um, got a, a virus uh, during pregnancy, 31 weeks, emergency C-section. He was pronounced uh, dead at birth. Uh, revived him. Uh, spent the next four months at, in ICU. Mm. Um, had six, oh seven, I could say seven, but six organs severely damaged. Left ventricle was hard. Um, smallest baby at Sick Kids Hospital. We're, we're very lucky. We have one of the greatest pediatric hospitals in the world in Toronto. And um, he was one of the smallest baby um, in history. And I don't know if it's changed that. At uh, under under two and a half pounds to be on dialysis dialysis for three days um, uh, before he started finally urinating, uh, which was a miracle. Cause we went in that day to um, shut down everything. Cause we, he was on his third day on dialysis and he was poisoning his body. Um, we went through hell and back. He's been through hell and back We're, when we, because of the lack of oxygen, part of his brain was severely damaged. His brain had to reroute itself. Like I'm, I know everything about him. I've, I became almost a doctor for my son. I've studied, studied, studies. So I know everything about him. I know everything. And when he was uh, discharged from the hospital, he was diagnosed with CP and mm-hmm. uh, we were told you'd most likely be confined to a wheelchair. And I went on a mission and I've spent the, and I spent the last 14 years, but 12 years severely going through every therapy, every light therapy, every touch, everything possible. Mm-hmm. And I've, and I put fitness from literally six months old from flexibility. There. We went from zero and we went from possible wheelchair to AFOs, who was supposed to be wearing braces till he's probably 1920 by 12th birthday out of braces before his 13th birthday day before we ran our first marathon together. And this right. kid is a fitness fanatic, incredible little baseball player, but I rerouted everything because we started from a very young age and I kind of, a lot of parents would have just taken taken the doctor's diagnosis and sat back with it. And I, mm. I did everything to the extreme opposite. I brought every therapy. I took him everywhere I possibly can to, to change his outcome. And I did everything yeah. I possibly can to change the outcome, and it has changed the outcome. He's just this loving, sweet. But going back to what you, said, said, um, "My son, he—he's—I mean, on his, when he was playing baseball, um, he was third fastest on the team. But he runs differently because the way his legs drag. Yep. Yeah. So, but I, I don't see any of that. I look at him as this sweet angel that smiles, that hugs me. He's a fourteen-year-old boy, and he comes and tells me every morning and every night that he loves me, hugs me, gives me a kiss tonight, and he it melts my heart. It's the sweetest oh. angel in the world. So. <laughs> As a parent, you know, the love overcomes all that shit. Yeah. And it's our duty as parents to really, especially the development ages up to 14, 15, 16, really, really hone and grow and do everything we possibly can because you can't just leave it up to the medical world to kind of guide them. And and, and whether they have a normal childbirth and you still, even my daughter, high school, honor roll. High performance dancer. We did everything from day one to get her to this stage. And it, and I think it's a lot of parents. They're not present enough. They don't, they're not focused enough and they don't give it. Our kids just want love. Their kids don't give a shit about toys. They want to, that when they're happy, when they get a toy and they're happy, they got a toy. It's, it's, it's not because they're getting that toy. It's because they feel like they're being recognized for something and their, and, and their dad and mom are showing appreciation from that's what makes it special. They don't mm-hmm. give a shit if that toy is gone in a day or two. It's that memory of what that memory bought. So I'm all about building memories, taking photos, building photo albums, going on road trips, we do road trips every year. We love sitting in the car for 12 hours and screaming, shouting and being all pissed off because those are the best memories you build. Right. So I'm all about that. So when you said that, it hit, I apologize for breaking into your story, but it just, it hit ho- close to home with, uh, with my, with my Santiago. Oh I, my God! I
1: mean, uh, for for those people that don't don't know what CP is, it's cerebral palsy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And what a beautiful story. Uh, and one of the things, or two things, I, I picked up from what you said was one, um, presence, and how we cultivate that. Because I feel like so many of the people that that I you know treat right now are so much in autopilot, are so much in living in this matrix. Yeah. Um, uh, being distracted with their phones, with their work, with all those things that, that we forget about just being right here, right now, uh, with the people that we love, yeah. um, that also allows people to make really bad choices. Like, oh man, I got to grab the, you know, the first thing I see and put it in my mouth. Nobody is present. Nobody is, is conscious and the fact that you've cultivated it, that, I I know I'm, what I'm going to talk to you about when you jump on my podcast, brother. <laughs> um, that was beautiful. The other thing that you said that was really remarkable was you did not accept the diagnosis you got from the hospital. Yeah, I find that so powerful. And as a medical doctor trained, I've got an MD, I'm not some woo-woo guy, trained at UCLA, National Institutes of Health, Howard Hughes Medical Institute. I can say that sometimes the diagnosis that you get isn't, uh, you know... It shouldn't be a sentence. Some people say, oh, man, yeah. I have depression. I have anxiety. Or I am depressed. I I am this. I have high blood pressure. I am a diabetic. Well, I just want to say that, you know, usually those outcomes happen when you live a life a certain way and you get that outcome. If you start to break free and change from that, you can start to maybe expect a different outcome. Yeah, I was diabetic. I had high blood pressure. I had you know, I was on prescription meds and I realized I wasn't given the tools in medical school to actually be healthy. And when I started to realign my life in that way, I was able to reverse all those conditions. And the fact that you did not accept the diagnosis that, you know, your son was going to be, you know, was going to live life a certain way. You said, no, that, that no, that's not going to go down that way.
0: Yeah. And
1: you seriously course-corrected you know his evolution and, and and where he is now. So you know, I I want people to just recognize that if you happen to be diagnosed with anything, don't necessarily take that as you know a sentence. Um, that you can control the outcome of your health. You can control the outcome of of how you show up in this world. Again, bring bring me back to that Ishmael story.
0: Yeah, and enjoying the process, right? I mean, there is moments. And maybe because I've, I've been an entrepreneur for 26 years and, and maybe that I've always had that mindset where I don't, I, I can't give up on something. When I put something in my head, I got to get it done. And there was times, for example, little things, my son hopping on one foot, took three months, three months where we did it every day for over an hour just to get him to hop on one foot. And now he on one foot, he's, he's flying upstairs on one foot and doing stuff. So it's just, it's that process. Enjoy the process. Yeah. Cause those, yeah. those, those yeah. micro, those micro victories. Yeah. Are so special. Oh my God. So special.
1: I was going to ask you if you, if, if you had, you know, if you had maybe, you know, a diagnosis or something like that, would you, do you think you would have responded with how you, elevate, you know, did you approach life like this all around or, or, you know, was it because of your son that you were allowed to kind of like take the extra steps of being more present and, and, and more focused, you know, cause I realize with some clients, you really need to identify their why they would do more for other people than they would themselves. So I wonder, do you approach life that way as well? Or do you,
0: um, no, yeah, yeah, I do. Because I, I I'm a strong believer. I do the whole Oprah mindset of fill your cup up first. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentally, spiritually, physically, I take care of myself before I take care of anybody else. Yeah. And I'm talking about spiritually to me is more the whole, whether it's meditation, reading a book, taking daily vacations, whatever you want to call it. But it's 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 I make sure I'm at my physical. I take care of myself physically. I make sure I'm, I, I I try to get I, my biggest struggle is sleep. I try to get as much sleep as I possibly can. But I, I I'm a strong believer. You have to be at your physical peak to be able to serve others. Yeah. OK, that's that's a strong point. But I've always been the type where just, um, I love challenge. I love challenge. I love, I love breaking the mold. I love challenge. I love looking at something and being like, there's a way to get this changes change the outcome. Cause we are all. And uh, that nurse that day during a diagnosis was a doctor, discharge doctor, a nurse. We're standing there and, (laughs) and she made a comment and and I'm going to give you two examples about the hospital. Um, but she made a comment. I was actually talking to somebody about this yesterday. Doc, she made a comment. She said, and I don't know what her mind was, but I was already aggravated with the diagnosis. I go, how he's four months old. How are you going to diagnose his future? How are you going to put a label on him? Yeah. And 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 I said to him, you're putting a label on him that could. If he ever wants to join the military, you're putting a label that could stop a lot of his future, getting a license. But you're trying to stop a lot of future before you understand what the future is ahead. And, and then she turned around, she goes, well, she was a lot of parents asked for a diagnosis because now medically they could be supported by the government with a check. Mm-hmm. And that just infuriated me. I'm like, you're, you're talking as a parent that I'm gonna I'm going to say yes to accepting this because I'm going to get paid for it. So that was my mindset that really aggravated me that day. And mm-hmm. and there's one more thing is my son was in the ICU on uh, the fourth floor, uh, six beds. Those beds rotated. Those children that came in that room, it was a rotation, constantly rotating. When I mean rotating, a lot of them were passing away. This is mm-hmm. the highest and most intense ICU room. ICU. It's, it's got six beds and it was just the most intense would go in there. Most wanted to make it out. And me and my wife would be there from seven days a week. We dropped my daughter at daycare. We'd be there from seven in the morning until six, seven at night. When I would leave the nurse at night, I would be on call, anything, whether it's blood work, whether it's, they would have to call me for my approval first. I was like, so involved. And, um, and I remember one day we was sitting there and me and my wife just, and I said, as I go, I called her name was Marianne. I called Marianne, the nurse. She was always there. And I said, Marianne, I go, is there a reason why no other parents are here? It was very rarely any parents you see and uh, and i'm like do they come in after a night do they come in like like when are they here and she says jeff she goes that's the reason your son's gonna make it home he goes you guys are present he knows you're present a lot of these parents don't come here because they don't want to build an attachment they don't want to build a connection to their children because they know they're going to lose them Mm -hmm. when i heard that I was just like are you kidding me but it's the reality a lot of people they don't they can't, as a parent, they don't They don't understand that i rather spend a, a month of bonding than no month. They don't want to build that connection. That was something that I've always had in the back of my head and I've always, I've talked about it quite a few times is you have to be present. You don't, That, that all those little moments make such a difference in, in
1: our children's development. It doesn't matter what age, what area they are at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and thanks for reminding uh, uh, me of that. You know, I, that's, that's one of the things that I constantly have to. Uh, get myself, like you know, throughout the day. Ask myself, am I present or am I on autopilot? Yeah, you know. Um, and uh, there's so much we can do. I mean, we, we we can drive from point A to point B and not 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 be here at all, you know. And so, can we remind ourselves to to connect with that part? because that's that's the part that's truly living life. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're just living probably Groundhog's Day if you're on autopilot, you know? Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with hacking into your, into your schedule and understanding your schedule. Yeah. So when I'm, when I, my schedule is so ultra-focused where if I'm going to dedicate an hour to a podcast, I'm dedicated to you. If I'm going to dedicate an hour to work, I'm dedicated an hour to work. But when it comes time to my kids, they're actually in my schedule. I, I have times locked in for my kids. So when I'm in there, It's present time now. So understanding and really studying and understanding your schedule is so valuable um, for somebody that's got a crazy busy lifestyle like yourself or myself, right? Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy?
1: Absolutely. I, I tell people um, that, you know, some people are like, oh my God, your schedule is so packed and it's so rigid. You know, how do you have any freedom? And I tell them it's because of the schedule yeah. that I have all this freedom because I know all these things have dedicated time that I can fully focus on them. That when I'm at at each block that I'm in, I can be fully there and, and I fully get to enjoy if it's not there and I and I start giving things up, you know, um, and not follow my, my schedule to a routine, I find myself very disheveled. And so um, that that's really important. And uh, I know Tony Robbins is a quote. I forgot what it was, but it went something like, you know, um, if you can if you could dream it, it's possible um, or something like if you could think it is possible, if you could dream it, um, it could potentially be done. But when you schedule it, it is real. Yeah. and so um, the power of, of actually putting something to your schedule and sticking to, to your schedule is the most liberating thing and you'll find also that you know health uh, wealth your relationships all these things flourish because that's the thing you say no I'm going to put intentional energy in this block right here I'm yeah. going to put intentional energy to connect with Jeff today I'm going to put intentional e- energy for this Nate I, I have with my fiance. So, uh, it's a, it's a powerful thing, putting things in, into your calendar.
0: And, and I love that too. It's the one thing I even add to that is the accountability. When I want to do something whether it's a new business, whether like I have a bunch of companies and stuff, when I, when I, when I'm about to do something new or, or, or take care of myself, or I have a fitness goal, yeah. I tell as many people as I possibly can. Yeah. I put myself accountable. I make sure I, I have no way I could fail. Cause now I'm going to be a loser if I fail and because I, I held myself accountable to all these other people. So one thing I do is like I said, accountability or having accountability partner, or having somebody that you could have that confinement where then, you know, they're going to give you that extra phone call is so important. And it doesn't have to be a group. It could be you know, me and you hook up and we're, we could be really good friends. And now we're going to hold accountable for staying fit all the time. as fit dads or whatever it is, but having your a partner to be accountable for is so valuable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I would love that I, I, you know, after this podcast, I, I hope we stay friends because I feel like I have, I've got a lot to learn from you. You've, you know, from the way you talk about your children, I know the type of father you are, and I want to learn some of that. And the fact that they came out so, so awesome too. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I, I have a lot to learn in, in that respect as well. So and I'm constantly learning, buddy. I always say the day you die is the day
0: you stop learning. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's just, there's, you always, always learn. And then, you know, it's crazy is. I'll learn from somebody younger. From me, you. I'll learn from somebody older. You just you, be open minded to always learning. Yeah, As yeah. You, and you don't have to agree with everything people say. I mean, you could take a little from here, a little from there, just kind of make your own little your own little meal, your own little recipe, right? To success, yeah. kind of thing, right? Let's let's talk about let's talk about America. Let's talk about health and and, <laughs> and, and, and changing topic. America, yeah. health. Um, I mean, we have. I mean, it, North America in general has health as a big issue when i'm talking about obesity um diabetes there's so many different factors but every time i travel to the u.s when you go to texas or anywhere else i mean it's i go to cross the border to buffalo and you you go walk into a mall and it feels like obesity is just a common thing yeah it's it's it's, how is that going to change is that going to
1: change it will change. We need to bring some consciousness into people. We need people to get out of the matrix that they were programmed to live and start making conscious choices. Because our health, our relationships, success in business, whatever it is, is basically the end result of the conscious choices that we make. Or actually, they're the end result of the choices that we make. You get to decide if you're going to do it consciously or unconsciously. Because here, we, here we go. The autopilot and the messages we get from living our modern day life is. We don't sleep. We'll sleep when we're dead because we got to push, push out there. We're, we're in so much stress. You know, we get a lot of marketing from from big food companies and things like that on on, on Whoppers and burgers and all these unhealthy foods. There's sugar in everything we eat. You know, and so um, you know, just in, Amer- in, in, in the world alone, we saw life expectancy actually climb every single year. But in 2017, it actually dropped. Meaning, right around that time, that, you know you could expect that their kids might not outlive their parents during that time. Now, why is that the case? We've got one in two people in America, uh, you know, uh, one in four people in America actually has a chronic disease. And, um, sorry, let me get the stats right. One in two Americans has a chronic disease. And then one in four Americans have multiple chronic diseases. Me being one of them five years ago, high high blood pressure, I overweight, probably obese, you know, make, you know I have to have to check my BMI at the time, but I, I was a pretty chunky kid or uh, adult, and then also um, uh, diabetes and those are metabolic health problems and those problems you know aren't aren't just showing up because we've got some toxin that's making us sick or that some virus you know is coming in and, and, and all of a sudden people are sick. People are changing the way that they live and it's how they live. Actually, turns on the genes that make people sick. So there, there, there is genes that get turned on, genes that yeah. get turned off, and you could actually, you could actually program your DNA by how you live your life. So how you show up in the world every day, and how you living live your life. And in my book Thrive State, I talk about that in seven key areas: sleep, nutrition, movement, your stress or emotional, you know, mastery, or like your thought and your mindset your relationships with people. And then finally, are you living with a sense of purpose? All of these seven major factors actually control the environment, the molecular environment of your cells. And if you live in such a way that says, hey, I'm really living my true life, you actually talk to your genes and your genes will gift you with optimal health. If you are living in a stress state, you know, and, and, and those seven areas are off in your life, you are telling basically yourselves that you are in danger and, and your cells turn on the danger response. Cortisol goes up, inflammation goes up, your immune system goes down. And in that state, that's when you have suboptimal cells that lead to suboptimal tissues that lead to suboptimal organs that lead to suboptimal systems. And when you've got suboptimal systems in your body, that's when you've got symptoms, that's when you got chronic disease. And so the epidemic of chronic disease we have worldwide is not uh, a disease of our genetics, but a disease of our consciousness and our subsequent choices. So if you stay in autopilot, you start to live a life that's stressed out, that's angry, that's not showing up. If you are resentful for the people that have hurt you, if you're you know putting junk in your diet, if you're not moving around every single day, you create an environment for yourselves that are in the stress state. But if you start to become a little bit more conscious and audit your life in each one of these seven areas and say, how am I showing up in these seven areas? And you pause and like, am I in autopilot and, and go, going after what I've learned to do for a long time? Or can I pause and say, no, I'm going to show up a little bit differently. That tactical pause is something that is so important. You know, yeah. Victor Frankl. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go, 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 go. Finish that. Finish that quote. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Victor Frankl had this quote. He, you know, Victor Frankl is a, a Holocaust survivor who was a physician. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, with Nazi internment camps. And he saw so much death in family and friends, but he still had this to say. He said, between stimulus and response, there's a space. Yeah. And in that space is our power to choose our response. Yeah. And our, In our response lies our growth and freedom. So we all have this space, no matter what's coming at us. We, you know, coronavirus, if we've got, you know, you know, somebody leaving us, we get getting fired, we, we could create this space and still from that space, always choose how we show up. And that's a beautiful thing. And, and, and that's, that's hopefully empowering to a lot of people that want to take their health back.
0: So how do we go about, let's, let's, let's okay, these are all great, but put yeah. ourselves in a low income area Growing up in a low income area where it's healthier. It's, I wouldn't say healthy. Sorry, I apologize. It's easier and cheaper to eat junk food than eat healthy. Yeah. Isn't that government? Doesn't government have to put mandates in place to change that? When it's easier to grab a couple of cheeseburgers than sit down with your family and eat a nutritionals, nutrition filled vegetables and meat and healthy diet, how, how, these are all great things we're saying, but it's it's, it's that accessibility, it's yeah. the cost. There's so many factors that are changing. And then as a parent, from day one, we have been feeding our kids with, my kids take, they're, they take megas, they take probiotics, they take their vitamin D every day. They're taking vitamins. I have an understanding of health. I, I, sure. I graduated college in the Finnish leadership program. So I, I, I understand it. And we've been instilling it from day one. My wife making healthy choices, teaching them healthy choices. They're allowed to eat junk food, but understanding the balance, understanding what and how their body is going to react to foods, teaching them, educating them, giving them good foods, filling them with good foods. I'm able to do that um, because of my understanding and my knowledge myself. When you get a child growing up in an environment where their parents eating fast food every day, it's just a reflection of their environment. How do we
1: change that? that's a great question and it has to come come from multiple different sources I mean I'm at a county facility um, you know usually on Tuesdays and Thursdays which is why today I'm so honored to be able to talk to you today um, and it's a very indigent population and unfortunately like you said a lot of the cheaper foods um, are more accessible uh, to many people and they're the ones that are showing up at the hospitals that are now using taxpayer dollars to yeah. know, go through the treatment, and they're just going to go through drugs. They will continue doing what they're doing, and then you know, more drugs being bought, more hospital time, and nobody getting well. Um, so th- there's a couple of things. Number one, uh, I do feel like there there might be some lower cost things that people in 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 uh, food deserts and and, and, and in indigent populations can do. There are people that basically, for example, you know. Some people, when the foods don't look really nice, some people just throw them out. But yeah. there are a lot of places now that are recycling, you know, just, just foods that don't look right, but completely healthy. And so there's a lot of those things that kind of going on and there's starting to be a little bit more access to the people with the poor. But it's not, you know, necessarily an access to better food, but an access to a better consciousness. Ed, and Education, education. And education. Yeah, And at least where I'm coming from, I feel like, how do we get into this place, you know, in the first place i mean we have messages uh of the life that we should be living on social media and on tv shows and things like that people are learning strep you know we gotta hustle well, we gotta not sleep and oh my god that burger is delicious but people you know we today a, a big theme is, is presence and consciousness and being able to choose because if you're not there you're in autopilot and where's autopilot you know autopilot is is getting your 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 consciousness hijacked by media by you know culture you're not really choosing and so at least for me i think now i'm combining what i wanted to do as a child to what i know now i mean i i always sort of wanted to do media and entertainment but after recognizing what where chronic disease truly comes from and having that journey of being able to get rid of chronic disease. And here's an awesome thing too. Not only are you reversing disease when you do that, you become a fitter, stronger, smarter, and better version of yourself when you do so. And you have more to give to the world. And you know, at least how I'm attacking it is that if, if we're losing people due to the media and entertainment that's out there, can we have media and entertainment that will yeah uh, will, that could expire that will let people wake up to oh, okay maybe those are the foods that we shouldn't be eating and, and potentially you know um uh you, you know me doing shows that don't involve sponsors that feed a lot of money to, to give people the wrong type of messages. Uh but it's a it's a multifactorial question uh from business to corporations that- to governments. <laughs> I mean, it's, you it's it, you a little
0: bit approach. You hit it on the nail because you're dealing with two industries that are billion-dollar industries that pharmaceutical, big pharma, they want you to be sick, and you're dealing with Kellogg's and all these brands, and I, I don't want to pick on one, but there's all these brands that are literally, you walk out to your, you're in your local grocery store, and they make it as, as, as accessible as... When you're walking through those aisles, that what is on the front of the aisles? What's on? You go to your local Walmart. What's on checkout? It's all full of fast food, yeah. sh- sugar-filled items. So they're making that accessibility so prevalent because this is that. Is that is that exactly what you said? It's that whole marketing mindset. Oh. And when you study marketing, you gotta visually see something they say six or seven times become it becomes subconsciously in your mind. So you see a commercial six, seven times, you're standing at that grocery store, or you're standing at and you see that bag of chips right there on checkout. And, 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 and that 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 mindset of that person on that commercial smiling and being happy. You're gonna oh, grab yeah. that and, and put they it mean, in their they car, right?
1: Like our celebrity heroes or, or, or exactly. some Exactly.
0: So. Exactly. So it just there's so it's, it feels like it. It almost feels like this 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 we're on this hamster wheel and just, it it feels like almost it's going to be almost impossible to get out of because it would need you me and millions doing the exact thing you're trying to do but how are you going to duplicate that that's the thing how are you going to get into these small communities how are you going to start educating people how are you going to start educating teachers how are you going to change the whole educational system where in in their gyms, and their health, and their nutrition class, they're they're talking about this to to seven, eight, nine year olds, teaching from a very young age. Yeah. So there's just so many layers that it feels like it's it's almost like it sounds bad to say, almost impossible to change it right now.
1: It seems that way, but you know, I'm a little bit more optimistic. I oh, I, I, I want to be. I, I recognize this. I recognize that as I start to evolve, as I start to become a higher vibrational version of myself, yeah. and I show up that way on social media, on podcasts, of the people I get to meet, people sense that. People go, yeah. like, oh my God, how, there's, there's, there's just this thing about you. How, how are you so happy? Just, just, just like when I met Ishmael, yeah. I, I just said, well, how are you this way? Yeah. And I think the more people start to wake up, the more people become conscious and recognize that following their, living their life a particular way is just so much better. I feel like that, that energy will ripple, um, before when, when, when you only had, you know, um, certain TV stations that, which were the major media moguls, um, they controlled what was going on out there. And so they had a bigger grasp, um now everybody could, could potentially have a voice and having a voice is so much easier. And I, I do feel that, you know, I'm going to get all Star Wars on on us now, but I do feel that, that, that the force of good uh, will, will, is, is stronger and will, is felt, you know, you know um, that vibration will resonate with people so much better than, than, the, than the latter. Even if that, even if they don't necessarily agree, they're like, Oh, there was something about, this person that's just a little bit more authentic, you know, I could turn down my I could turn down my limbic system because this feels safe. Yeah. Um, so so I you know, I, I'm very optimistic that the um, that the things will will turn around and that that, vo- you know, voices of of good are going to resonate more, more than the voices that are trying to bring us down.
0: When you talk about biohacking, yeah. give me an explanation of biohacking.
1: Biohacking is really, you know, I'm actually going to be speaking at the biohacking conference, you know, I'll be doing an IG live with Dave Asprey, quote unquote, the father of biohacking. He's a Canadian or actually lives up on the west side of Canada. Um, And so really biohacking is just hacking your biology, doing certain things to hack your biology. Now, many people associate biohacking with technologies, Mm -hmm. like wearing an aura ring to track your sleep or using red light therapy to increase ATP and lower inflammation or, uh, you know, going, uh, doing some hyperbaric, uh, uh, chamber to increase oxygen delivery in in your body. So there's all these technologies that are out there. and, And I, I do believe in all these technologies. Um, and they promise to extend the human lifespan further than we ever thought possible. But here's the thing. When we actually study the world's longest lived populations, and I don't know if you're familiar with the book Blue Zones. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, I am. that talked about these five uh, places where people live the longest. It was uh, Okinawa, Japan. We've got Sardinia and Italy, Loma Linda, California. We've got um, uh, Akaria, Greece. And we also yeah, have, yeah. Um, what was the last one? Costa Rica. Yeah. And if we look at that place, none of these places. These are people where the, there's the largest populations of centenarians anywhere on Earth. And we look at those places, they didn't have access to any of this technology. Yeah. So, what's this telling us? It's telling us that how we live our life actually activates the biology of longevity. And I can go deeper into that, but how oh, we should. 100%, 100%. 100%. You know? 100%. And that's how we have. You know, in my book, Thrive State, that's what I talk about in those seven areas of your life, you audit your life, those seven areas, you can change your biology. You could hack yourself without the technology. But you know what, if you blend both, that's great. You know, when I work with my with my clients, it's it's a combination of, you know, optimizing their hormones, using peptides and using supplements, but it, you know, it's focused, you know, mainly on the foundation of how we show up in the world, how we live our life in those seven areas.
0: There is there is um, God, I can't remember his name now. I'm trying to think as we were talking, there was a, a series on uh, CNN and as a storyteller, Gentleman's a storyteller, incredible, incredible storyteller. And uh, he visited, he called it, the, I think it was the six or seven wonders of the world. And uh, before he says, before tourism in the world changes them. And, and a few of them were the blue zones. Yeah. And, um. and it's, 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 it's a lifestyle, right? I mean, you go back to, I mean my 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 parents were from Portugal and we have you have great grandparents that lived to 100 100 something cuz it's there was no processed food they lived off the farms they didn't have stress they woke up they farmed they enjoyed their life they the european mindset they close everything in portugal from 12 to 3 o'clock every day for everybody to go to the beach or go to the cafe right they don't they, there's no stress on that so their stress levels are lower they're 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 eating more I would call it, quote, unquote, or real organic, not fake organic, because I think a lot of the organic stuff we buy are not pest controlled, but the, the soil is. So either way, you're still getting something in you, right? So it, it, these these blue zones where they're slowly dissipating, they're slowly starting to change because of modern society coming in and, and, and tourism coming in because everybody wants to see it, everybody wants to be part of it. And it's yeah. changing the whole environment and they're welcome because now they're becoming tourism. So now they're starting to import stuff and trying to kind of please the tourists, right? So, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's hard with with busy lifestyles to live that, that completely organic lifestyle right that lifestyle of just like stress-free and, and and eating direct produce right farm to table kind of thing is it's, it's not that easy right so but i i love I, I i've done research on those so when you brought that up i thought that was it's yeah, it's pretty amazing when you think of how
1: the lifestyle has changed right yeah yeah absolutely um and and you know, you mentioned biohacking, and you know that's the major message I want to leave with people is biohacking doesn't have to be these expensive gadgets. No, improve. it's 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 how you how you live your life. You know, there's there's two things. I I, I put all of those gadgets and technologies in what I, you know, term the science of longevity, mm-hmm. but then there's also the art of living, and you yeah. yeah. combine them both. That's that's when you really get the result that you want. And you know, it, it's choices that we make. I mean, it, you know, at the end of the day. Currently, I I don't think I want to live in a blue zone no. um, uh, per se. You know, and that's a conscious choice. I'm like, you know what? It, I, I am I, I do enjoy. They have, you know, they have beautiful I, beaches. I, they have beautiful beaches. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind going there for a little <laughs> bit. But I, there will be a time that I'm like, you know what? I think I've I've been a part of this technological world enough. Maybe I could start to settle uh, without all. Things. It's it's, but, it's hard. I, it's hard. It's hard, buddy. Making that back. choice consciously, though. Yeah, right? yeah. Is, is, is the key thing there.
0: You, when you're talking about biohacking, um, are there certain aspects of your biohacking when you talk about, for example, intermediate fasting and stuff like that? Do you do you imply that? Do you talk about stuff like that, like intermediate fasting? Because there's so many studies that show how intermediate fasting could, even, even not intermediate, even fasting in general, yeah. could change and alter your DNA.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So, do you, do you talk? I'm I'm an, I'm a strong believer in intermediate fasting, I do it Monday oh. to Friday. Um, I do Monday to Friday. I don't do it on the weekends because I like enjoying, but I like also breaking that cycle. I like changing yeah. my body
1: cycle. So I'm Saturday, and Sunday, I have breakfast with my kids. All right, so you know, free coaching session for you, Jeff Lopes. Uh, no, intermittent fasting is great. And here's the thing: we we think of intermittent fasting as this as this new thing that we're going to incorporate. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. as a part of our lifestyle, it's actually not that. It's actually we were born to fast. You know, yeah. every single living organism, uh unicellular all the way to multicellular us animals things like that, we evolved and we are now surviving because we, we've been able to take times where we can live with energy and res- and nutrient resources versus times that we don't. Yeah. So it's built into our DNA and our system to be able to do that. And then when we fast, we actually turn on these um, these, uh, genes that activate, um, healing and rejuvenation. We turn on a process called autophagy, which actually eats out all this junk debris in our cells and renews them. So it's a part of the rejuvenative process to include fasting. So back in our ancestor days, you know, there were days that we would eat when there was food around and days that we didn't eat when, when there's no food around and, and we've evolved to have that. Unfortunately, with modern day lifestyle, with refrigeration, now food lasts forever. You can get food anytime you want. We're actually going against what we were, you know, uh, created the life we were created to have which were times of feast and times of not. And when you do that, we, we, we don't go through that rejuvenatory process that we have. And unfortunately, when you end up eating all the time, that is, and then also eating the wrong foods that's really you know setting yourself up for insulin resistance for diabetes for high blood pressure and for obesity so uh, i am a fan of intermittent fasting and i think what you're doing is perfect you know some people are so religious you know on monday wednesday fridays i got to do this and that it's like do what works. Just remember what our ancestors did. There were times that they ate, times that they didn't, if they weren't hungry, they didn't really eat. So, you know, I mean, you could do that if you want, but you don't have to be so religious about it. I love the fact that you're like Monday through Friday, I do this. And on weekends, you know, I, you know, I do some social hours. So I include a little bit more meals. Um, And I think that works for people.
0: Tell me if I'm incorrect with saying this as a, as a doc. When your body, what I was told, this is years ago, years ago when I was when I was taught about fasting, your body has two working things that could happen quote at the same time at, at, at different times. Either your body's healing or your body's digesting. So for the listeners, when you're eating your body's digestive is not healing and that and how they broke that down to me and tell me if this is right or wrong they said when you're sick do you feel like eating and i said no that's because your body's trying to recover Mm. so it's forcing you not to be hungry to recover. is that that true that makes sense
1: it's it's sort of true it's probably a little oversimplified but absolutely different processes that happen that occur in your body require a certain amount of any energy expenditure right so okay. if you're dealing with an infection your all your atp your immune cells going to be up all that all that's going to be used focused on on one thing and if you don't give yourself um a little bit of rest every now and then you're not going to you know be able to renew if your body's constantly if you're giving your body all these different stresses and you know eating and digesting is actually a stress yeah you're doing that all the time, you don't, you're not giving your body enough resources to rejuvenate and to heal because we do have a finite amount of energy resources. We're always giving around and if you're constantly stressing your body without allowing your body to uh, rejuvenate, uh, that's when, you know, their problems exist.
0: Yeah. 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 So stress relief, give me,
1: give me, give me some hacks for stress relief for people. Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, so much. I think is again there's the autopilot mode and it's really real there's a part of our brain called the default mode network yeah default mode network is is basically the part of our brain that's active when we're not doing something you know at task where we're not in flow we're not conscious we're actually in this autopilot default mode network it picks up a, a bunch of stuff you know a lot of traumas we had when we were were kids a lot of that that defines the ego and when that thing is active, it's usually thinking about what can go wrong, and it's a big part of the stress that happens in our life. And so if we can quiet down that, that mode and we become a little bit more present, um, that's key. You know, that, That's another way of saying is, can we actually see the stress that's happening? Because so many people are in it, and they sort of know that they're in it, but they're not able to step back and go, oh my God, I'm kind of stressed. So there's different things that that we could certainly do um one recognizing that stress is happening is key and having that presence and being able to you know you know from thirty thousand foot views say oh my god i'm 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 stressing right now and how do we do this is building a muscle of just being able to take take a step back and have that thirty thousand foot view because if you're in it you're like, oh my god I'm stressed I'm you know all these all these things are building so one of the things I tell people is the five to five to you know five by five to thrive, which is you know five times a day for about five minutes. Just really focus on your breath. You know, um, you can do some box breathing, like um, where you, you know, uh, uh, breathe for you know, four or five seconds in, hold it, breathe out for four or five seconds hold it and then breathe out for four to five seconds and any type of breathing, there's a different type of breathing patterns that do different things. And that could be a whole different talk yeah. there, but what we'll notice when we're stressed is we're not breathing and we're, we're able to, you know, particularly extend the exhale. That's telling our body. It's like, if you to have saber tooth tiger, you know, sitting behind you, you're not going to be able to you know, sit down and, you know, have a really relaxing breath. So if you're able to do that, your body is telling you this is safe. Yeah. If I can have a really, really long exhale, that's safe. So breathing is a really, really great one. What the five by five to thrive really allows us to do is different parts of the day. We're just taking, we're just focusing on our breath and we're taking this 30,000 foot view of our life and just say, hey, am I, am I living, you know, my day the, the way I want to right now? Or am I being like dragged in other people's energy fields? So I think that's really important. Um, you know, uh, other things we can do is, you know, we hack our body. So here's the thing. Every emotional state we have in our body has a physical state and a breathing state that matches, which is why when we when we start to relax our breathing, we could relax, relax that down. Check this out. Our eyes, when we're really stressed out, is really focused on one thing. It's really focused out there. When an animal is stressed out, it's really focused on, on the predator about to come. But when an animal is grazing, you know, they're just chewing on their, you know, chewing on some grass. They're looking out there, they're gazing. And so when we can just take our, ourselves out of the computer street and go out in nature, just take a gaze at what's out there, just start to gaze. And that relaxation, that dilatation of, of, of the muscles of, of your eye actually will, will bring down the stress. That's really helpful as well. Um, journaling is a great way to deal with stress. Why is that helpful? well you could take all your thoughts and put it down on paper and as you put those things down on paper you're like oh my god that autopilot that's what what that's what the autopilot's doing and it allows you to go oh that's autopilot that's not me yeah. and 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 I could associate myself with that uh, so many other things we can talk about I don't know how much time I, we I, have but we got time I,
0: I I love the whole journaling aspect because it's I, I'm a strong believer that when you physically see it in front of you. Yeah. It's a huge, huge difference. Right. right? Yeah. Huge, huge difference. And, and and with stress too, I mean, your environment, a lot of your environment has to do with who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And this goes back to Ismail. What well, you said it was having around positive people in your life. If you're yeah. around people that are constantly, and they, and they don't have to be negative towards yourselves, but they're negative towards them themselves. And they're always playing a victim card. Those people are dragging you down too. You might not All realize, right. but that energy is just sucking the shit out of you. Yeah. And 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 learning how to I mean, I I really not only study my schedule, I really study um, who I surround myself with on a regular basis. And there's people in your life that I'm, I'm a strong believer that everybody has a purpose in your life. They might be there for a minute. They might be there for a month. They might be there for 10 years when their purpose is done. It's OK to let them go. Yeah. It's okay yeah. to move on. And a lot of people get stuck where they feel like they have to keep this person in their life. They've been they've known for all these years. That person is constantly draining the shit out of you, draining your energy. And you only have a certain amount of energy every day to, to, to provide to people, to give to yourself. So really studying who's around you and knowing who's around you and surrounding yourself with the positive people. People are going to put a smile on your face. I mean, uh, I mean, I try to, ha- I, I, I mean, some of my closest friends are just, they're jokers because you're around them. You're just laughing there's nothing that heals a soul than a good laugh, right? So just surrounding yourself around people that are just going to add, not only add value, but add a sense of
1: calmness, a sense of uh, joy to your life. So powerful. Absolutely. We are, you know, Jim Rohn says we are the average of the five people we hang out with most. And yeah. that is a hundred percent the case for any area you want in life. You want to be healthy, make sure you hang out with five healthy people. You want to, you know, be financially free, hang out with five people, you know, who, who've done it because you pick up the habits, the energy, the behaviors, the actions of those people. And again, you know, I'm going to stress it again. We are the we are the result of the of the choices that we make in life. So you learn those choices from hanging out with people that have the life that you want. And it's about making those choices conscious and, and doing it over and over again.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's something. I mean, I, even as a kid, I remember you always hear that saying from your parents. Like, I remember my mom always saying that. Like, tell me, tell me the, tell me the five people you're around, and, and I'll tell you who you are. Right? It's just, it, it really, really does that. Um, this has been amazing, buddy. How, let, let's talk about you quickly. Like, yeah. how do how do our audience get a hold of you? How does our audience buy your book and all that stuff like that?
1: Yeah, well, I'm all over uh, social media, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram at kienvu md that's k-i-e-n-v-u-u-m-d uh the book is called thrive state your blueprint for optimal health longevity and peak performance uh you can pick up three free chapters if you don't want to purchase the book just read those three chapters it will give you the tools to optimal health uh you can go visit thrivestatebook.com for that and um and those are the best places to read. This has been awesome, brother.
0: I appreciate it. I'm sure this connection is going to continue. I'm looking forward to being on your show and, and our to your friendship. When's the last time
1: you, have you been in Toronto, Canada before? I have not been to, to Toronto. I've been to Vancouver is the only, you know, I know Toronto. I got a lot of friends out there. So beautiful, beautiful
0: city, beautiful city. And now that, uh, our lockdowns are open again, and we're, we're back to being normal, <laughs> beautiful place for you to come visit. Anytime you're here, make sure you, uh, Reach out to me and we could uh we could uh, meet up and have a have a bite and uh, hang out for a bit.
1: Oh yeah, I w- I would love that. Thank you. I mean, you're an amazing human being. Get getting a chance to know you a little bit more, uh and, and the father you are makes me, you know, like when I think, oh, okay, how do I become the best father? And I need to think of five people, you know, I need to hang out with, you're definitely one of those five. So uh Appreciate look- it, buddy. Appreciate
0: we'll- it. Yeah. Let's let's keep this conversation going. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, buddy. You got as a wrap for today, I want to thank Dr. V for taking time as busy schedule to be a guest on the Jeff Nozine Podcast. If you guys enjoy this episode, like always, tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word, try and build something special here. Leave a review. Five stars will be absolutely amazing. Myself, my team, love spending time reading their reviews. Until next week, guys, keep moving forward.